Don't move. You're listening to Harpy Hour. We just want to share another awesome podcast with you first. So check these guys out and stay tuned for this week's episode of Harpy Hour. Hello, my name is Teresa Zoe Williams. You may know me as that lady with the purple hair or for that really funny coffin joke. Well, get ready for more. Starting soon on Grexley, I'm bringing you a late night podcast filled with jokes, weird Catholic things, and more. So how are the song Mbop and God's Love the same? They never end. Get ready for Up Too Late with Teresa Zoe Williams, coming soon to wherever you listen to podcasts. Harpy Hour may contain explicit language, as well as graphic, violence, and sexual content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Harpy Hour. Harp? The harp, harp, harpy hour. Harp, harp, harpy hour. But we're mixing it up now? I know. I, if I'm going to be non-committal, I'm going to experiment. Harpy hour in the evening. <laughs> in the evening. Harpies in the morning. Harpy in the evening. Harpy at supper time. I'm re-watching Community. So I was doing the Troy and Abed thing. Troy and Abed in the morning. morning. Have either of you guys nice. watched Myth, uh, Mythic, Mystic Quest? No, no, actually, my roommate was just talking about it because of like the actors in it and the cast. And I had yeah. started watching the first episode and it just didn't keep me in. What? Oh, me and Eric just started watching it like a week ago. We just got through season one. It's so good. And it has um, Abed in it, but he plays a totally yeah. different character. He's like this yes! like, money hungry, like finance guy who's kind of like an asshole. And it's just such a different character than his character in Community. I really yeah. enjoy it, though. And it has what's his name from it It's has Always from Sunny. It's Always Sunny. Yeah. Rob, yeah. Rob Meckler. Yeah. That guy. So I, I am thoroughly enjoying the show. Okay. I Maybe really I'll give it another it. try. I, yeah. yeah. I just I was I probably multitasking or something. Yes, it's probably your fault. Yes. I feel like it's always <laughs> going to be Liz's fault. If I were to guess, I would say this is a Liz problem and less of a less of a TV show problem. Mm-hmm. Right. So we've established that I'm Liz. And who are the other Harpies? I'm Tracy. I'm Steph. This feels really weird being out of order. I almost said I'm Liz because I went after Tracy and I'm like, clearly it's just supposed to be I'm Tracy, I'm Liz, I'm Steph. So I just, it, the order was off. It confused me. I almost, I panicked. <laughs> I am Steph, right? Well, this is our podcast where Steph loses her shit and the rest of us share ridiculous stories in history, science, and entertainment. I need order. I'm a creature of habit. Oh, God. Things need to be just so. He lives. Yeah. You want to do something today? I do. You want to tell us a story? Or I mean, like, I guess I should. I mean, we're here. Yeah. I guess, I guess I'll guess uh, i do this thing that I prepared for you. Oh, that's good. What, 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 what you talking about, boo? All right. My teaser for you this week is... Such a formal introduction here. If you love bread so much, why don't you fuck it? I mean, okay. <laughs> Tracy don't have to tell Tracy twice I love bread I fuck with bread all the time not like physically fuck but well that's what I think Liz is implying here I think it is but I baguette up the snatch I want to go on record saying I have not but <laughs> you would if you could that'll give you a yeast infection but um ching I mean you could I could but should you I mean, I think the answer is no, but, you know. I don't know who wins we'll in that scenario. Like, Tracy, I don't think it... Tracy uh, wins. You think you're going to get <laughs> off on a baguette? I think I'm going... I don't... I don't know, man. I and mean, you can't eat the bread afterwards. No. I, I mean, it would be ill-advised. Mm. You probably shouldn't. Well, what if you only use, like, one part of it? What if you wrap to the bread? What if you have, like, the fucking end and the feasting end? <laughs> <laughs> it's a double-sided dildo yeah <laughs> yeah and if it's like not the crumbly french baguette kind like it can stay all in one piece and like well that is gonna be kind of 
probably soft. You could also mount it for hands-free play. How do you mount a baguette? You like cut it in half and stick it to the wall. Secure it to a... And then you have a snack. uh, You can snack on the other half. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just imagining Tracy inventing this device where there's just like a baguette on a wall, but she just walks by and takes bites. Like it's just like a baguette that's that protrudes from the wall like at face level so when she's walking around the apartment she can just snack on baguette snag a bite hands-free bite (laughs) hands-free snacking and my face level is below everybody else's face level so nobody else will try to eat my baguette no they're all gonna try to fuck (laughs) it and you're gonna try to eat it (laughs) guys i think i just reinvented sex Go to Olive Garden and get your unlimited breadsticks. Mm. Mm. It's how to get carbs inside you without getting carbs inside you. (laughs) (laughs) That bread goes straight to my vagina. (laughs) (laughs) I'm carrying all that bread weight in my vagina. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. We need to to move on. This is... (laughs) It's unacceptable. I can't do it. You guys didn't seem to react when I made that joke about a yeast infection. I didn't hear a yeast infection. <laughs> oh, joke. I said you'll get a yeast infection from the bread. But I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Steph. <laughs> I like my real laugh reaction to my fake laugh. <laughs> Slowly losing it. <laughs> God damn it. Let's just We've been doing this, this for segment. a year and a half almost, and this is where we're at right now, folks. We've lost the ability to function. We're talking about fucking baguettes. God damn just it. Corroding. And fucking baguettes. Why don't we have more listeners? We're talking about fucking baguettes. Literally fucking a baguette. <laughs> Who doesn't want to listen to this? I agree. Now I want a baguette. I'm really hungry. Okay, continue. So uh, I think we've already gotten there. I will be talking about the history of sex toys today. Yes! (laughs) And by history, I mean an abridged history. A very abridged history because we do not have time. There's too much history. There's too many toys. We're not going to get to it all. Some things I just kind of like quickly touch on and then I get a little bit deeper, if you will. Go deep. Uh, uh, Go deep. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just want a little touch. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. you just, you just a, want a, a light touch. Tease. A little tease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So really, this is just going to be like highlight of some fun historical facts. Again, it's not going to be entirely comprehensive. Okay. I also want to acknowledge that uh, we, the Harpies, are are aware of and respectful of people's gender identifications. We know that gender is non-binary. In this segment, due to the historical context, a lot of sex toys are produced and marketed based on like a binary gender dynamic. Um, So I will be using like a very binary terminology as it relates to how these sex toys were like designed. Their roles in history, yeah, developed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, don't don't add us. I try to be mindful of it as I go through, but um, I mean that's that's in large part what I'm going to be harping on. Um, okay, great. Is that those those gendered aspects of of the sex toy industry? Okay, cool. So to get started, I want to ask the two of you if you know anything about like the history of vibrators like how they were invented why they were invented or who i know they were created to to cure women's hysteria yes so um i'm actually starting with myth busting that is a dirty lie oh we'll start with the concept of hysteria that you raised tracy okay there have been many links made between vibrators and the diagnosis of hysteria so hysteria comes from the greek for the Greek word is hysterica, okay. and it means uterus. Oh, like hysterectomy. Oh, yeah. like hysteric, like hysterectomy. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But so the the diagnosis of hysteria is in itself like a gendered diagnosis, like it's sure. for people with a uterus. You know what? Like I took a whole, I did all this medical terminology when I first went to PA school, and I don't think I ever put that together. 
Mm-hmm. I'm upset yeah. with myself. Do better. Yeah. Men cannot be hysterical. They don't have a uterus. That problem is reserved for us. That's really frustrating and I hate mm-hmm. it. Yeah. During the 6th century BC, a Greek physician theorized that the womb could move freely around a woman's body. I'm sorry, what? Just like, today I'm in the abdomen, tomorrow I'm going to be like up your ribcage, or like I could be like, it just, the uterus could move freely throughout your body. Nope. And that caused different, like where your uterus is in your body could be responsible for a specific physical ailment. Wait, so is it your uterus that's causing you pain all the time and it's just a matter of location? It's like it's location corresponds to an ailment or problem that you're having. Got it. Do they think that all organs are free floating? I don't know. In this particular article the it just references the boom. Cuz like Everything has a place. So if it's mm-hmm. not where it's supposed to be, is it displacing something else? I yeah, just don't understand. Yeah. I how don't know. does it move? I don't know. Does it have like appendages, like tentacles or something? Well, you know, it's got the tubes. And so sure. maybe it's just like wacky, weavy, inflatable tube man up in. I mean, the tubes don't really have muscles <laughs> capable of. Movement. Clearly, they don't know shit, Steph. <laughs> I'm just trying to understand the logic of how they could even get to that conclusion. Uh, I don't know. But so it's responsible for both physical and mental health impacts. So like anything. The womb is just a state of mind. Anything could fall under hysteria, (laughs) but only for women. Sure. So now to the vibrator connection to hysteria. It is, as you both mentioned, vibrators were allegedly invented to help physicians efficiently masturbate hysterical women. Because before vibrators came along to relieve women's hysteria, physicians had the laborious job of manually stimulating a woman. And it was just, there were so many hysterical women um, that they couldn't keep up with it. Yeah. It's just volume. Just, Just a volume problem. The problem is also the fact that men generally suck at that. (laughs) yeah i'm surprised they even know where the clitoris is i mean Mm -hmm. do they just picturing a physician now just elevator buttoning (laughs) it's not working so this theory of vibrators and treating hysterical women was popularized by a woman named rachel mains in her 1998 book called the technology of orgasm. So up until 1998, like this was not popular canon that, you know, vibrators were invented to treat hysterical women. She just came up with this hypothesis for the sake of her book. And she admits it. And she basically says it's, it's the public's fault for misunderstanding her. So she says, people just loved my hypothesis. And that's all it really is. It's a hypothesis that women were treated with massage for this disease, hysteria. And that the vibrator was invented to treat this disease. Well, people just thought this was such a cool idea and people believed it. That it's like a fact. And I'm like, it's a hypothesis. It's a hypothesis. So she just like printed this in her book and it became like a, not a sound bite, but just like a hot clip. Um, And other people just picked it up and ran with it. And so it's just been like circulating you know, literature and media. Did you read anything from her original source to see how clear it is? No. Mm. But so it was like, it was like the whole narrative of vibrators being linked to treating hysteria can like be traced back to like its first mention in her book. And she gives no, no evidence for it. Um, And other historians who have the receipts also verify that there is like no records of doctors masturbating their patients to treat hysteria. Hmm. Isn't there a movie called Hysteria about this? I do not know. I've never heard of that. I wouldn't believe it. Hang on, I just Googled it. Two doctors in Victorian England use manual stimulation of female genitalia to cure their patients' ills, leading to the invention of the vibrator. Fiction, not fact. Maggie Gyllenhaal's in it. 
Hugh Dancy and Maggie Gyllenhaal. So that's one myth about the origin of vibrators. There was a second myth I discovered, which I don't think is very popular because I had never heard of it before. There is a myth that dates back to, or I'm sorry, it doesn't date back to, it relates back to Cleopatra, who was born in 69, wink, wink, BC. Lols, lols. Uh, <laughs> she lived from 69 to 30 BC. And this myth states that Cleopatra used a gourd, like an empty carved out gourd filled with bees to stimulate herself because the bees would like make the gourd vibrate. Oh my God. You just like stuffed enough bees inside this gourd. You had a gourd vibrator and she would stimulate herself with it. This is like, I feel like, isn't it kind of like a, a, a trope or something like that, that young women, like when they're in like high school or middle school, like discovering their sexuality will try things like an electric toothbrush or whatever they well, can yeah. find. Like, yeah. I feel like this is like, e- like that. Only. Who just finds a gourd filled with bees. But I like, hate it. What I is hate it this so vibrating much. mechanism. I wonder what would happen if I placed it down here. It's like, I'm just improvising and finding whatever I can to make this an yeah. easier and better process. Oh my god. Well, I know guys like f- when they're exploring like will f- stick their penis in basically anything. <laughs> <laughs> Can confirm. <laughs> Can you? I mean, not personally, but <laughs> I was gonna say, I want to ask Craig what the first thing he fucked was. I'm sure he would have an answer. <laughs> I'm sure he wouldn't have to think hard. Uh. Well, again, for whatever reason, somebody thought that this would just be like a fun story, but it's not a true story. So it appeared in 1992 in the Encyclopedia of Unusual Sex Practices by Brenda Love. Um, But again, without any sources. So I don't know like where she got that from. And this idea has also been repeated and reprinted in many popular histories. Modern historians who have actually done the research say there's no evidence that, like, this is true. How would you fill a gourd with bees, A? B, I don't, I can't see that making enough of vibration to be effective. I I mean, a gourd is thick skin, right? Yeah. I mean, if you carve it, you can make it really thin. Just seems, well. It seems like the risk to reward ratio here is off. Yes. For me, I mean, personally. I don't. I would not personally invest in this solution, but me either. Agreed. If it were presented to me on Shark Tank, I would not be investing. And I mean, like realistically, the bees can't just live in there forever. So you got to catch them when you're ready. You have to, and yeah. then release, catch of, and release. Right, it's a lot vibrator. of work. Well, but and also, I feel like during the release, all of the releases <laughs> 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 during the release, like they've just been pissed for like however long it took you to get off i think you just let them die in there at that point oh my Aww. god save the bees death i'm not gonna release a bunch of angry bees oh well, my if god. you're cleopatra i assume you just have a beekeeper or something and you just <laughs> hand your gourd off to a servant yeah that's what you have servants for slash slave probably and yeah <laughs> like, i'm done fucking this gourd can you please dispose of it Literally. I mean, when you're, when you're royalty, you can do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> Maybe you just, like, chuck it out the window and it splatters and the bees go free. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> but that was your sex gourd. Now you need a new gourd. I mean, how many times are you going to reuse that gourd? I mean, how long does a jack-o'-lantern last? Not that long. Fair. I don't imagine a cord-out gourd is going to last that long. Okay. All right, well, those are just some myths related to the vibrator, and I want to get out of the way and debunk those now. Put that aside. We're Fake come news. Back to the vibrator mm-hmm. in a little bit. Okay. But now we'll get into more of a slightly more of a linear history of sex toys. So, sex toys are ancient, older than Cleopatra. She did not innovate sex toys. Right, yes. Uh, The oldest known dildo is approximately 28,000 years old. 28,000. I find the use of the word dildo here interesting. I 
didn't, you know, deep dive into the research on this discovery, but I feel like having a phallic item does not necessarily mean somebody was using that to pleasure themselves. Like it could have just been like an ornamentation of of a penis for like cultural purposes or something like that. Um, but it's it's referred to as a dildo. It's a penis shaped item made out of silt stone and it was discovered in Germany. Stone. Oh, we'll get there. It sounds uncomfortable. So this dildo or phallic rock phallic rock is older than civilization, religion, and marriage combined. Great. From then on, dildos were made from everything from stone, bone, which I th- oh. <laughs> hope no, is where you. we got boner from. Um, boner. Wood. <laughs> That's where we got wood from. Uh-huh. Morning wood. Um, and then we moved on to items such as marble, metal, oh. and bread. Did you forget about the bread? I did. I was just thinking back to the bread, actually. I'm like, we went from fucking bread to fucking rocks. I don't know which, which is the more progressive option. Ugh. Stale bread? Is it stale bread? I would Please hope so. No, then it would, like, disintegrate. No, if it's stale, well, it's no, harder. No, it could be harder, yeah. If it's, if it's fresh bread, it's going to be soft. You don't want to fuck something that's too soft. I don't know the recipe um, for the dildo recipe. bread. But oh uh, the use is of there bread, a starter involved? <laughs> a yeast starter. Um, the use of bread as a uh, sexual stimulant is verified by multiple sources. And as Bustle.com puts it, the ancient Greeks really knew how to have a good time on a budget. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They had uh, their own word for, for this. It's called alisbocolics. Olisbocolix. It's a word for what? Bread dildo. That is the translation. Oh. oh. All right. And we also see this in Greek pop culture, if you will. So in the play Lysistrata from 411 Lysistrata. BC. Go ahead. Lysistrata. Thank you. Mm-hmm. 411 BC. This is about women who go on a sex strike to help mm-hmm. end a war. So they're like, if the we show. withhold sex, the like the make the men stop fighting and you know have sex with us instead yes and uh sounds so, like it'd be effective it yeah was. it was uh, but you know the women also have needs of their own so during the sex strike how do they pleasure themselves well they used bread dildos okay well that part wasn't in the play but <laughs> I mean, it was in the play, not the one you did. They Correct. went back to practicing where they just hold hands and fuck each other. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so that's where the bread comes into play. Perfect. I felt like your teaser was kind of targeted at Tracy. I, I, I thought it was the most like <laughs> at Tracy. <laughs> it was a really niche uh, <laughs> teaser. Moving on to some different types of toys. So thousands of years later, like moving on from ancient Greece, Burmese bells and uh, Chinese Benoit balls were created. So at first, Burmese bells were tiny metal balls that were meant to be inserted into a man's penis. Oh, no, no. I don't yes. even have, like, I don't have a penis. And me just being like, oh, that sounds all uncomfortable that I feel squirmy. Like, oh, God, no. Mm-hmm. Now, if I say insert these tiny little metal balls into your penis, where specifically do you think I mean? The I urethra. The u- urethra, yeah. Um, also what I would have assumed or did Uh-oh. assume, but they actually mean, like, under the skin. So, like, nope, apparently, worse. like, oh. outside worse. on your shaft. Nope. So they were actually for her pleasure. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That's like a cock ring that's just there all the time. Yeah. So this was apparently a common practice in Southeast Asia. So a lot of like European explorers noted these practices as they were traveling, you know, through Asian territories. And so it was, you know, a sacrifice that the man would make to enhance female pleasure. And so this shows a sense of equality between genders in these cultures. 
I like that. We then, yeah, we then um, created the larger balls for women. And so those are like the the larger Benoit balls that women can put up their own snatch that like when you walk around, they rub together and that can create sensations or it's also like some women may just use it for like Kegel muscle exercises. I was gonna say, isn't it like a pelvic floor strengthening kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I once ordered something from Adam and Eve, you know how they give you like little free gifts yeah. sometimes. And mm-hmm. the one time the free gift was, was the Benoit balls and I had no idea what they were. So I'm like, what am I supposed to do with these? I, I have not used them. I'm too afraid that they're just going to get stuck up there and I'm going to end up in the ER being like, please remove this silver ball from my snatch. <laughs> it's oh, not God. like your butt, though. Like, there is... There's a You'd terminus be, you to your vagina. You would be surprised how often women come to the <laughs> ER thinking that there's a tampon in there they can't get out. Or like some other, like a condom. I cannot really? tell you how many times I've fished a condom or a tampon out of a woman. Oh god. Things get stuck up there. Oh, I've had I've I've nearly lost a condom inside me. That was that was a an unpleasant scenario getting that out and super awkward, real mood killer. <laughs> Jesus. So, uh switching gears again to another type of sex toy. We're going to the Han Dynasty, which is about 200 BC to 200 AD. Chinese aristocrats enjoyed artfully crafted jade butt plugs. Nice. Oh, it's like the jade egg. That's like Gwen's jade egg. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they don't, this one article I read didn't go like into super detail about like the sexual aspect of the jade butt plug, but they were noted that um, the Han Dynasty also used the butt plugs or they were used by embalmers to prevent bodily essences like your chi from leaving the body. So, like, it was really just to plug your butt so that, like, you could go into the afterlife and retain your essence. Sure. This is making me think of your segment about the soul, the weight of the soul leaving your body. Yeah. How much does the soul weigh? You have to, pl- you have to plug the butt or you'll lose That's it. That's the exit. <laughs> the soul exits through the butt. <laughs> And if you plug the butt before the soul leaves, then you can retain it. Love it. In death. Still on the butt plug, but moving ahead a few centuries, we have uh, the 1800s, a brand called Dr. Young's Dilators. Dear. I just realized that I own four butt plugs, and they were all given to me by Craig. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A few years ago, he gave me a set of three. As like a birthday gift or something like yeah. that. It was a small, medium, and large. And then he had me for Secret Santa this year, and he got me an additional butt plug that has a like rainbow horse tail on it. Yeah. So I, I now t- own four butt plugs, all of them given all to me by your husband. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> so Dr. Young's dilators were introduced in the 1890s. These were, quote, legitimate medical devices. If you have to that were prescribed like that. <laughs> to patients, according to Dr. Young himself, and I do not know if Dr. Young is in fact doctor uh, mm. or just a salesman, but he stated that the rectal dilation tool could cure insanity. It could also correct constipation. It promoted refreshed sleep relieved bad breath, acne, anemia, insomnia, anorexia, headaches, diarrhea, hemorrhoids. I'm still going. I can see diarrhea. Nervousness, irritability, cold extremities, and other ailments. So it helps with both constipation and diarrhea. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's a cure-all. I guess with constipation, it's like a a rectal stimulant to make you try to poop. But if for diarrhea, it's just a plug to hold it all in. Let your body reabsorb all that. I I can't. Don't let's <laughs> not how it works. I don't know. <laughs> not how it works. Do you think the butt plug worked to help <laughs> cure diarrhea? No. What do you think their logic was? <laughs> I think it was just a a plug so you don't shit yourself. I mean it's gotta oh. come out at some point. Eventually. In 1940, the U.S. Attorney for Southern District of New York seized the most recent shipment of rectal dilators 
and claimed in court that the product could be dangerous for the, quote, Southern District, if used too often. Contrary to the packaged instructions to, quote, have no fear of using them too much, the devices were deemed to be dangerous to health if uh, you exceeded the suggested duration, which I don't know what was, like, prescribed, maybe, like, 10 minutes a day. I have no idea what it said. But that, uh, you know, the court said that the use of the uh, rectal dilators, a.k.a. butt plugs, were dangerous. And so the shipment was destroyed. I like how the court is deciding this. Like, are mm-hmm. they... Are they consulting with any medical experts? Don't know. I'm going to guess not. Okay, cool. I don't have a lot of information on how like we rebounded from that, but uh, the commercial plug industry like took off again um, in the 1990s with the introduction of silicone as a manufacturing material. So there was like a, a new market for for butt plugs, and and now we have. So many that Steph has four. (laughs) Jesus. Thank you, Craig. What a gem. A quick note on sex dolls. These may have been invented in the 17th century by seamen who began experimenting with what they called dames de voyage. So in order to ward off lonely nights during their long ocean going adventures they tied bundles of straw together to replicate a human form I and dressed that. them in women's clothing they fucked oh. a bale of hay hay sex dolls that's what we're talking about right now i mean maybe it was just companionship hey friends maybe they sat down and had tea with their well that's even sadder. that's worse <laughs> that's way worse <laughs> walking by somebody's cabin and they're sitting there having tea with their haystack woman and like for god's sake just fuck it already he's going delirious (laughs) i need to get to shore this man needs medical attention no he needs a butt plug to help him with his insanity a lot too circling back to vibrators these were linked to a few different inventors uh, because there's different styles of vibrators so what i found to be the earliest version was invented by george taylor and this was a steam powered vibrator like steaming your vagina which we already discussed is not a good idea yeah Yeah. i mean it was steam powered you're not applying the steam to your vagina you're applying the steam to the device to make it vibrate i don't know it's like like connected to some kind of machine. I suppose. I feel like this would be very noisy. I feel like people would know exactly what's going on behind closed doors if you got a steam-powered vibrator. This was invented in 1869, and it was called the Manipulator. But he cautioned against women using it too much in case of overindulgence. He marketed the Manipulator strictly as a medical device. Uh, and he was concerned that it was being used for other purposes and specifically by women. So God forbid a woman be too satisfied. Okay. What is it treating this medical device? We'll get there. So I don't, re- I don't know if uh, it was ever specified what the manipulator was for, but um, generally speaking, they were all devised or marketed in the same way. This specifically is referenced for the next vibrator, the first electric vibrator, which was invented just like a a decade or so later in 1883 by English physician Joseph Mortimer Granville. This was allegedly designed to treat pain, headaches, irritability, indigestion, and constipation, again, in men. So vibrators were meant... Oh, my God. As medical devices for men. The movie, it's Dr. Mortimer Granville. That's what you said, right, Granville? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The movie's about him, apparently. Hysteria. Yeah. Yeah. Historians point out that Granville knew the vibrator could have sexual uses and that it was even used to treat male sexual dysfunction, but that he never used it on women. Many doctors tried to treat diseases with vibrators, but found them to be ineffective. Hmm. <laughs> Weird. 
What kinds of yeah. diseases, I wonder? Like, it's not going to cure your diabetes. Yeah, I don't know. In 1915, the American Medical Association took a stand calling the vibrator industry, quote, a delusion and a snare. A snare? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? I don't know. Like a like trap? A, a farce. Yeah. Maybe a trap. I yeah. feel like this is like the opioid epidemic where they're like, let's prescribe opioids for everything. Oh, my God, people are abusing it. It's the same thing with the vibrator. Prescribe the vibrator for everything. Oh, my God. Women want to play with it too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't have it both ways. Exactly. Well, I think it, they took it away not because women were enjoying it too much, but because it had no proven medical benefits. And so it was like, you can't call this a medical device. Mm. Okay. And so that is actually when they pivoted. Like I said, like up until that point, they were designed for men's problems. So when the medical association was like, there's no basis for like this being a medical product, that's when advertising pivoted and they started advertising vibrators as home appliances <laughs> for men and women of all ages. What? 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 <laughs> like a dishwasher. Yeah. Jesus. Home like, like a toaster. Yeah. Ads for vibrators ran in popular magazines, Christian publications, and the New York Times. Christian Great. publications. Claiming that vibrators could cure everything from wrinkles to malaria. I'm surprised they were able to say malaria because that's very medical. I feel like wrinkles yeah. are cosmetic. And so yeah. we'll, we'll kind of get to that in a moment. Malaria. Mm-hmm. They were sold in huh. department stores, you know, with the, the coffee pots. And uh, you could also order them from like mail order catalogs. So despite how they were advertised, people knew that they were likely being used for sexual purposes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you're fooling anybody. A 1908 advertisement for the Bebout, Beboot vibrator assures readers that it was, quote, invented by a woman who knows a woman's needs. Also, I'm sure that's a lie. I'm guessing it was invented by a man, and they're just saying it was invented by a woman. Who knows a woman's needs? I mean, it, would, it should be invented by a woman. Well, it wasn't. It was invented by two men, the steam one and then the electric one. I know. Well, this is before women were allowed to do things. They, they weren't directly referencing sexual uses for vibrators for, you know, a few reasons, primarily like obscenity laws and also just the idea of, you know, sexual activity like not being a public thing, being shameful, et cetera. Um, but most notably the obscenity laws. So it was illegal under the U.S. 1873 Comstock Act to advertise, like openly advertise sexual products. So for the vibrators, they had to emphasize non-sexual uses, but you could like hint at things. like. So the we actually passed a law at one point in time saying you can't advertise things for sexual purposes. Mm -hmm. That's insane. And we had to like pass a law for that. Yeah. Yeah, that seems like overkill. Can you imagine Congress talking about that? I would love to hear the closed door session. No, I would hate it. <laughs> Just a bunch of old white men. The discussion of whether or not we should allow yeah. this conversation to happen in public. Many vibrators came with a dildo-like attachments, but officially these were used to treat uterine complaints and constipation. They were also marketed as novelty items, so just like, LOL, look at this personal massager. It's like Spencer's or, gifts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, My first also, vibrator was a like massager from Spencer's gifts that was yeah. like, it was just like this blue straight tube that you know made of hard plastic and like it says it's a personal massager but like the picture on the box was like a, a naked like a, the hip of like a naked woman or something like that like <laughs> it's a personal massager yeah. someone gave it to me as a gag gift from spencer's at my like high school graduation <laughs> so around the 1950s the food and drug administration began cracking down on the marketing of vibrators as cure-alls and weight loss devices so at this point, because they couldn't be sexual devices and marketers were pivoting from, you know, men to women, they were being 
marketed as things like the Arnold vibrator, which promised that every woman can have a faultless complexion and youthful, finely proportioned figure. I hate that. Adding that there is no further need of powder, paint, pads, or other deceptions. Deception. Yeah. If you use the vibrator, you don't need you get to a natural glow. Men. Yeah. You get a natural glow of being a satisfied woman and no oh. longer need makeup. Uh, yeah, but so the FDA came cracking down. They're like, you can't just like call these things like a cure all or whatever. Like you can't just make shit up that that vibrators do. Sears advertised a vibrator as giving you that, quote, great to be alive feeling. Oh, Sears. (laughs) Sexy. Yeah. Tease me, Sears. (laughs) Great to be alive feeling. Mm -hmm. Gives you that pep in your step. Yeah. In 1983, the sex toy company Vibratex became the first to bring vibrators with internal and external components to the U.S. And so by that, internal meaning like dildo, like penetrative and external meaning like clitoral. So a device that has like a multi-purpose function. And these were produced in bright colors and animal shapes. And this was in order to get around Japan's obscenity laws. And so these included the beaver. The kangaroo, oh. the turtle, but most famously, the rabbit. Oh. Thank you, Japan. I love it. How closely was it shaped as one of these animals? I don't know. I, how do you? How do you use a turtle? <laughs> <laughs> it's like head pops out. I don't know. <laughs> Oh god. Oh god. Like the least sexual thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) Of all the animal variations, it was rabbit vibrator that rose to fame. This is thanks in part to its appearance on an episode of Sex in the City. Mm-hmm. which aired in 1998 and shows Charlotte becoming addicted to a rabbit vibrator. <laughs> Lols. Not a turtle. <laughs> <laughs> one woman has talked about, or not one, many women talk about, um, or people talk about the links between like sex toys and feminism, women's liberation. And just to touch on that ever so slightly, we have uh, a woman named Tally or Haley Lieberman. She says that in a way, we and we being women were more liberated in the late 1800s and early 1900s when sex toys were advertised everywhere, like in the New York Times. Like, and even if they weren't being advertised as sex toys, like it was an open secret, like... You could get them anywhere. They were on like the front displays and windows of department stores. And like there was no shame in going in and buying your home appliance personal massager. Yeah. And so that, you know, dynamic kind of had us more sexually liberated Hmm. in those times, even though they were disguised as other things. She says when sex toys came out of the closet, or became more openly sold in the 1960s, they were seen more as dangerous devices, the sort of magic wand that symbolized female liberation. Hmm. So there's a lot in the women's liberation and feminist movements that you can kind of link to, you know, sex toy industry and history, or vice versa. All right, so a 1974 study, um, I do not know the details of the study, like who was bold or whatever, but 61% of uh, respondents uh, were women who stated that they masturbated, mm-hmm. but 25% of those women who masturbate said that they felt guilty, perverted, or feared going insane. Insane? Yeah. Hmm. And I don't know if that's like a an addiction to sex toys, like Charlotte was yeah, becoming yeah. addicted, yeah. or if it's 
you know, uh, a cultural type, like a, a perceived consequence. Like of, of misunderstanding. Which is ironic because we're like, we all thought it treated hysteria. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah. It. And now you think it's going to cause it. But in some places, vibrators are still illegal. Of course they are. Yep. In Texas, they established the Obscene Device Law in 1973. This prohibited, quote, any device designed or marketed primarily for the stimulation of human genital organs. To get around these types of laws, uh, companies marketed vibrators as personal massagers or, you know, other, any other type of... Where was this? This was Texas. This law is technically still in effect, although in 2008, one judge declared it unconstitutional and unenforceable. Uh, so they just like haven't, you know, struck it from the books yet, but it, it's not one of those like, weird laws that, no ex- that still exists on the yeah. books, but no one actually follows. Yeah. In 1998, so I mean, not that long ago. Sometimes I think that seems forever ago, but also for, you know, these purposes, we'll say that's recent. Um, Alabama legislators passed a law forbidding the sale of any device, quote, designed or marketed as useful primarily for the stimulation of human genital organs. What a, like, sterile way of putting it, the human genital organs. It's legalese. I know, but it's also just, yeah, it makes it less sexy. (laughs) Mm-hmm. The penalty is a $10,000 fine and one year in jail. What? At least two really? women have been arrested. What? No what? other details. I do not have the further information on those two instances. Also, outside of the U.S., there are many other places where vibrators are prohibited or their legality is unclear. This includes the Maldives, the United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, Thailand, Malaysia, India, and Vietnam. Oh. No sexy self-pleasure times for you. Ooh. And so that is my not very comprehensive... Wait, you said India, Thailand, like... Weren't those... Didn't you say it was Southeast Asia where people were, like, inserting metal balls into their pieces? Yes. Yes. So they went from that to, like, not being allowed to advertise sex toys. Vibrators, yeah. Vibrators. Huh. Times change. That seems like a digression. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's many ways in which a lot of cultures have digressed. Cultures, countries. That's upsetting. Yeah. Let's go back to the days where men, like, surgically implant metal balls into their penises. Just like that, that woman was saying... We were more liberated, you know, a century ago when devices were being sold freely and, you know, and advertised freely. And now, yeah, in Sears, your Sears catalog. Does Sears even exist anymore? And, you know, now it's, you know, niche markets that you get these items from. Yeah. It's still easy, at least like in the U.S., but, but you're like, not you know, going you to just, Sears for it. Yeah, exactly. They don't have them in, in CVS <laughs> that I know of. I've never <laughs> seen them, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Not that I've seen. Yeah. They have a uh, lube there and condoms, but I don't think they have yes, vibrators. Yes. No, not yeah, like it's like It's like a different, vibrators. like... They have cock rings. At CVS? Do they? Yeah, for sure. They do. What? Are they called cock rings or are they called I mean, they're like, not labeled as cock rings, but they're like rubber band pleasure ties, devices. But they're just like yeah. next to the condoms. They for <laughs> sure have them because I've seen them and been like, what? 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 I, that, I've never seen that. Well, I remember seeing commercials a long time ago for this like little like fingertip vibrator from Trojan. I think it was. I can see that being... If they're selling cock rings, they're probably selling shit like that too. It's like this little mini yeah, vibrator you put yeah, on Yeah, if they were like a Trojan product or something and it was like packaged with condoms. <laughs> it's like a pack. You buy the big it's pack of condoms and it's like free toy inside. Free. Yeah. yeah. Like a cereal box. <laughs> <laughs> you either get a cock ring or a finger vibrator. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, but like once I think you decide to like be an establishment that sells vibrators, like how do you pick which three? to sell in your limited commercial space. Like, that's why I think you need designated outlets. 
to yes. hold the plethora of of goodies that are out there on the market. He has a lot of options now. Yeah. Well, that was very educational, Elizabeth. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Well, I hope you're all satisfied. Badoom ching. Thanks. I did not put in Steph's level of effort of puns no. sprinkled all throughout. <laughs> Pun? Oh, you mean for my bra segment? Yeah. Constant really puns. puns. They were just uh, slang words for boobs and bras. But also like your train segment. The train segment <laughs> the train was <laughs> what I was thinking of. The trains was puns. Yeah, but the that bras needed was to just be. like little uh, slang words for, yeah. for those things. Yeah. Over the shoulder boulder holders. That's my favorite one. Or the balloon cocoon. If you want to learn more about this shit, you can listen to Harpy Hour on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Wherever you listen, please rate us and leave us a glowing review, a orgasmic review. Are you confident enough to share what your first sex toy was? Oh, yeah. We challenge yeah. you. Yeah. Good ask. Mine was a bullet vibrator. You know what? If you tell us, we'll give you a free sticker. Executive oh, decision. Look at that. Tell us. Steph declares it. Mm-hmm. Sticker for you. Sticker for you. So let us know on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Harpy Hour Pod. Um, you can also email us at harpyhourpodcast at gmail.com. And we are also on Patreon. So head on over to Patreon. Check out the different levels that we have there. Different goodies that you can get. We need money to buy things. Everything. Things. <laughs> Not going to get into what things we each want to buy right now, but there's things. And we need oh, money I thought for it. They were um, personal home We all want to buy vibrators. <laughs> we need vibrators. I need a gourd filled with bees. Yes. <laughs> Please fund Except our no, I think I'm allergic to bees. Probably shouldn't do that one. <laughs> I don't think you have to be allergic for it to be ill-advised. Yes. I mean, correct. but it's even more ill-advised if you are. <laughs> we are not condoning the bee gourd. No. For the record. We do not endorse it. Mm-mm. So please donate to us to help keep us on the air. Por favor. Mahalo. Gracias. Thanks for listening. Danke. Okay, okay bye. bye. bye.